0: let's pray together. Father, just thank you so much that we know the way, the truth, and the life, and that we need not live in confusion in this world, that you have given us clarity and purpose and meaning. And Father, I pray that that is what will take place this morning through this message. I pray for clarity and purpose and meaning. I ask, Father, that you would grant me enablement just to preach my heart out, just to encourage those who've gathered here. Lord, it is not by mistake that these are here. You and your sovereignty have them in your house. And I pray, Father, you would wrap your arms around them. I pray that I could speak right into their life wherever they are, and that you would enable the power of your word and spirit to accomplish great works among us today. Lord, just to unloose these lips, let me preach with a freedom and a liberty. Lord God, tie these points together, these illustrations, these transitions, these applications. May this message, Father, be an offering for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. It all started about a year and a half ago. My wife and family and I were driving through Ohio to the Jersey Shore on vacation one July day. We were on Interstate 76 heading east when we could hear Weston in the back seat tell his brother, stop it, get off of me. And then he said, mom, dad, I think something's wrong. And Carl and I looked back and our youngest son Dawson was leaning against his brother in the back seat of that minivan. His eyes were rolled back in his head and he was shaking uncontrollably. We realized something was drastically wrong and we pulled over on the side of the highway and cars whizzing by at 70, 80 miles an hour and, and I got out and I reached back all the way back and I, and I dragged Dawson's body, which is now limp, out of the van. Carla was calling 911, Brennan Weston uh, were trying to flag down cars and uh, I thought he had been choking because he was eating at the time and so I started performing the Heimlich maneuver on him and we're all praying and I couldn't get a response. I mean, talk about feeling totally helpless. And uh, all of us in the family thought he had died. We thought we had lost him. A nurse on the other side of the highway had stopped and crossed traffic, and uh, she helped me lay him down in the grass and, and on the side of the road and found his pulse, assured us he was alive, and an ambulance came, and in 10 minutes, we were at a hospital. And this is the scene at the, uh, on the highway. While we were at this hospital in Ohio, the doctor confirmed that he had had a seizure, and in three hours, we were back on the road. He, he told us, hey, this is no big deal. A lot of kids have seizures. He'll be fine. And uh, Carl and I thought that was kind of strange. We weren't convinced it was a big deal, especially since he had been experiencing headaches. And so upon arriving home, um, we had some tests run, and the x-rays uh, were, were confirmed that Dawson had something called a CVM. It's about the size of a walnut in his head. It was a cavernous venous malformation, and it was behind a main artery, and uh, he would need brain surgery to remove it and immediately go on anti-seizure medication. His doctor would be uh, Dr. a neurosurgeon at uh, Lutheran General in Park Ridge, and after surgery, he was all bandaged up, as you see here, and the surgery was completely successful. The CVM was 100% removed, and you'll see where the incision was in this picture, On his head. So it was a major surgery uh, to remove this thing. I want you to understand when something is physically wrong in our head, it needs fixing. When something is spiritually wrong in our head, it needs fixing. Spiritual CVMs are just as dangerous, if not more deadly, than physical ones. These malformations that occur in our thought life can be so treacherous. How how could I have that thought in my head and why would I be thinking that thought and how could my mind go to those places? These rogue thoughts that can run through, wildly run in our brains, can cause very sinful seizures and have us act out in ways we never thought we would act out. What are we supposed to do about it? Surgery's not going to help. Medication's not going to help. Well, today's message, we're going to learn how to protect these minds. And this is the third message in the Zero Shades of Gray series. And I've titled it Mind Games. Garbage in, garbage out. And we're going to start in the book of Wisdom, the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. As you're turning to Proverbs, though, I want you to understand something important. The mind and the heart are often synonymous terms in Scripture. So at times I will be referring to the head. Sometimes I'll be referring to the heart. They mean the same thing. They're used interchangeably in Scripture. We see this in Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Mark 7.21, the Lord Jesus. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. And so sometimes you'll hear the word heart, and sometimes you'll hear the word mind, and they are referring to the same thing. Well, how do we protect these heads and hearts? The first verse we're going to look at is Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. And this is what this verse tells us. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Why? For from it flow the springs of life. So, the first thing we learn here, if we're going to protect these heads and these hearts of ours, is we must diligently guard. Say it with me. Diligently guard. Why? Because from it flow the springs of life. Our thought life affects all of life. Proverbs 23 7 For as he thinks within himself, so he is. So a single trajectory can change, or a single thought can change the entire trajectory of our lives. Emerson, Ralph Waldo, put it this way, you sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character, and sow a character, you reap a destiny. He says, for from it flow the springs of life. In other words, if you pollute the source of the water, it affects the streams of water. If, if the fountainhead is tainted, the flow will be foul and polluted. In other words, the heart and head, if the heart and head isn't right, your life can't be right. My heart, my head has to be right. If I want my life to be right. That's why David would pray after his confession in Psalm 51, 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now I want you to understand that this is your responsibility. this is my responsibility. This is our individual responsibility. I have to control what goes on in this brain of mine. Nobody else can do it. Watch over your heart with all diligence. My physical health is my responsibility. Your physical health is your responsibility. You and I have to watch what we eat and watch how much we eat. It's our responsibility. We need to make sure we are exercising. Somebody can't exercise for us. We need to get proper amounts of rest. We have to do it. It's our responsibility. No one can do it for us. The same thing is true with our spiritual health. It's our responsibility. The thoughts in my head, the thoughts in your head, and where our mind wanders, that's our responsibility. Uh, The affections of our heart and where they take us, where they lead us. Those are our responsibilities. Now, not to discourage you, but I want you to understand. We cannot underestimate just how dangerous our heads and hearts are. We are very dangerous people. Now, you've heard people say, well, people are basically good. Uh, Wrong. We are sinful. We are fallen. We are depraved. The wiring in our heads has been crossed due to our sin nature. And and by God's grace alone, can we think and can we act right? I want you to understand, mankind is radically depraved. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. So in other words, the doctor's report has come back on our heart. And the expert in the field, God himself, says, your heart's pretty sick. Your head is sick. Understand that. Ecclesiastes 9.3, furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. It's terminal. Afterwards, they go to the dead. We see it every day lived out, this evil and insanity in our world. And we hear it every day, new tragedies against fellow humans. And, and we watch it every day on the internet or the news, horrific things that take place. Why? Because there's insanity in people's hearts that is lived out for all their days, The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The Lord Jesus in Mark 7. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. There it is, the heart and the head again. What are those evil thoughts? Thoughts of fornication, sexual sin, and theft, and murders, and adulteries, and deeds of coveting, and wickedness, as well as deceit. That's lying, and sensuality, and envy, and slander, and pride, and foolishness. All of these things proceed from within. And defile the man. So so in other words, don't blame your surroundings. I, I mean, Adam and Eve were in the perfect Garden of Eden and they still sinned. Evil thoughts. Some of them include sexual thoughts. Fornication. That's sex before marriage. Adulteries. That's sex outside of marriage. Sensuality. That's lust of every and any sort, including pornography. He's saying, guard your hearts. Never underestimate the danger of who we are. And he says, diligently watch. Watch over your heart with all diligence. That, that means be diligent. That means, that means consistently watch and stay on constant guard. Now, if spring ever gets here, some of you are going to plant a garden like you do every year. And some of you have incredible gardens and your roads are just perfect and everything is lined up. And you diligently watch your gardens. I, I mean, you, you diligently weed, and you diligently cultivate, and you diligently water, and you diligently care for it. I want you to understand, your brain is like a garden. And we are to diligently plant seeds of pure thoughts. And, and, and our brain is like a garden. We are to weed this brain of corrupt ideas and weeds that spring up that have no business being in our heads. And we are to diligently water this mind with the nutrients of God's word. So he's saying, diligently guard your head and your heart. There's a second thing we must do. Quickly capture. Quickly capture what? Any of those rodents that would destroy your garden of your brain. Anything that's going to pop up. Uh, Look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Look at verse five, here it is. For we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, he wants us to understand that every believer, every child of God is in a battle. There is a battle raging for your brain. There's a battle raging in your mind. For your thoughts to go toward the way of sin instead of toward holiness. And, and to win, he says, you've got to destroy the speculations, these lofty things. So those are thoughts and viewpoints and philosophies and teachings and opinions and ideologies. These are the deceiving lies of the enemy, the deceiving lies of our culture. You've got to destroy those things. And they include lies on sexuality, It's not about what's popular, it's about what's pure, and it's not about the teaching out there, it's about the truth of God's word. Now, you may say, well, how do I do this? How do I destroy them? And by the way, when it comes to destroying them, don't swallow them. Don't swallow the lies, obliterate them. And how? You got to know, you got to know what you believe and why you believe it. You need to know your Bibles, you need to know what I believe and why do I believe it. And, and you've got to use your brain the way God wants you to use your brain. Because ignorant Christians are vulnerable Christians. Don't be vulnerable. And ignorant Christians are defeated Christians. Don't be defeated. So destroy these speculations and lofty things. And then he says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How many thoughts? Every single blooming thought that comes into your head. You've got to examine it. You've got to think about it. You, you've got to study it. Every one. You don't give any ground to the enemy. You don't let one evil idea run wild in your head. You don't let one rogue thought get past you. You may say, well, what happens if one of these rogue thoughts gets out there? And I can't believe I thought that. You write it down and you rope it. That's what you do. You become the cowboy, and once that thought gets out of the gate, you chase it down, and you don't let it go any further. You don't want those rogue thoughts running through your mind. That is dangerous. You don't let your mind wander. You don't entertain those thoughts. You capture them. Again, you sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. It all begins with the thought. And you take it into obedience of Christ. you say, well, okay, now what do I do? I've captured this thought. Well, you replace the bad with the good. So you must positively fill. That's the third thing we learn. Positively fill. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse eight and nine. Finally, brethren, in other words, listen up. This is really important, Christians. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. He says, I I want you to fill your head with these characteristics, these attributes. And and the first one is true. I I want you to think on what is true. Is is it in accordance with fact and reality? Is it genuine? And by the way, the word of God is the greatest source of truth. So, so read your Bibles and study your Bibles and learn your Bibles and memorize verses in your Bibles. Psalm nineteen nine, the judgments of the Lord are true. And Psalm 119, 151, all your commandments are truth. So John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is what? Truth. So get into the source of truth. So whatever is true, the next word he says is whatever is Honorable. That means admirable, respectable, noble, dignified. He's saying, I want you thinking on things not, not that are trivial and mundane and temporal and don't mean anything. Who cares what color the dress is? Come on! Why are you wasting brain power on that? And spending so much time on that? Some of you have no idea. You live under a rock, okay? Okay. Um, whatever is true and whatever is honorable. And next he says, whatever is right. That's, that's just or morally correct. There is a right and there is a wrong. Start thinking on what is right. Next he says, whatever is pure, that's holy, that's undefiled. You don't let the sewage of this world smut, seep into your brain. Keep it out. you got to be careful. There's so much immorality, so much impurity and dirty and unholy things What kind of movies are you watching? What kind of novels are you reading? What kind of articles and magazines are you reading? What what are you putting in your head? What kind of music are you listening to? What are those lyrics saying? What kind of images are, are you looking at on your computer, on your phone, on your iPad? He's saying, why are you letting your mind go to those places? And some of you are thinking, well, it's, it's not that big a deal. That My music doesn't bother me. I really don't listen to the words. What? Give me a break. It's going inside your head. Well, you know that movie and all that language? It doesn't. It. It's going inside your head. What are you doing filling your head with garbage? Stop doing that. I mean, if you eat garbage, your body will soon show it. If you think garbage, your life will soon show it. So think on what is true and honorable and right and pure, what is lovely. That means beautiful, pleasing, delightful. It could be magnificent artwork or wonderful music or, or nature. God's creation. A few weeks ago, I was at Starve Rock running the trails down there and the eagles along the river. Wow, And you can go to Oswego and watch that right here, the Fox River. You know, and, and the trees that were there and just covered in the canyons and snow and frozen waterfalls. It was beautiful. Saying like in my mind, think on God's creation. It says, true, honorable, right, pure, lovely. What is of good repute? It's the only occurrence in the New Testament of this word. It means what's highly regarded, what's well thought of, what is respectable to the whole of humanity. Don't go if it doesn't have a good reputation. Don't even bother thinking of it. Next, he says, "What is excellent? That means extremely good and preeminent. We well, you know what he's saying? I want you to take your thought life to the highest level possible. Don't settle for in the middle, Don't settle at the bottom. I want you to rise to a higher level in your thought life, the highest level possible." By the way, First Corinthians 13:11. When I was a child, I I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I what? I did away with childish things. Some of you have not done away with childish thinking. You're still thinking carnal thoughts, you're still thinking lust filled thoughts. You know what God is saying? When are you going to grow up? (laughs) What's it going to take? Why are you letting your mind go there? When are you going to grow up? 1 Corinthians 14:20 Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. So do away with childish thinking and exercise self-control and stop misusing your brain. Then he says, whatever is worthy of praise. That means worthy, deserving of respect, and praise meaning commendable. And then he says, dwell on these things. He's saying, this is where I want you to think. This is what I want you to think of. I want you to camp here, concentrate here, consider these words and these attributes and these characteristics. Discipline your mind, deepen your understanding of what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, excellent, and worthy of praise. See, we need this positive, active brain engagement. It's been said an idle mind is the devil's playground. Oh, he wants to play with your head. And you've got to start thinking and focusing on what is right and true and honorable and worthy of praise and excellent. That's where your head needs to be. He says, dwell on these things. In other words, set up camp here. So some of you like to camp in the summertime. And, and, and you'll tent camp. And my dad and my brother and I went to the Boundary Waters a couple years ago. Oh, beautiful up there in northern Minnesota. And we were portaging lake to lake And we were looking for a campsite. And then we saw a campsite. Nah, we saw another campsite. But then we saw the campsite. And it was on an outcropping of rock, a peninsula into the water. It was elevated, perfect for the canoes to come in and out easily. It was flat above. Trees were positioned well for the tarp. Fire pit was already there. It, It was positioned so we could see the sunrise. It was like, this is where we're stopping. This is where we are setting up camp. That's what God is saying. Pass those other thoughts right by. Pass that other thought right by. Start setting up camp on what really matters most. And I call it the Philippians 4 filter. Say it with me Philippians 4 filter. You've got to totally, and I want you to understand this, you've got to totally filter the things that come into your brain. How do you do it? Well, you do it with these attributes. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good repute? Is it excellent? And is it worthy of praise? That's your filter. That's the Philippians 4 filter. Now the result of only allowing those kind of words into your life and thinking those kind of thoughts, look at verse 9. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. See, some of you lack a lot of peace when it comes to your minds. Man, you, you, you just don't have peace of mind. I mean, you, you, you're running here with, with fear and worry and hatred and anger and jealousy and anxiety and guilt and shame. Your head is filled with so many things that are not Philippian 4 filtered. And he's saying, when are you gonna start practicing? Really thinking on what I want you to think on. Romans 8, 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. The mind set on the spirit is what? Life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. So enjoy peace of mind as you think on the true and the honorable, the right, the pure, the lovely, the good repute, the excellent, and the worthy of praise. You diligently guard and you quickly capture, you positively fill, and the most positive thing you can think on is the word of God. And so purposely treasure, that's the next thing we learn, purposely treasure. Psalm 119 is a classic passage on this, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. He starts off with a really good, important question. How in the world is a young guy gonna keep his way pure? I think about that, especially in today's day and age. Young men and women face so many temptations. Our society is riddled with sexual temptation at every turn sensuality constantly lurking and calling and inviting and immoral images everywhere becking in us, even in the privacy of our homes. I want to encourage you, it's not impossible. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare cave in. Well, what do I need to do? Verse 10 of Psalm 119, he says this, with all my heart I have sought you. So you have got to go after God with all of your gusto okay? It, it, listen, this is, this is so important. You have to passionately pursue God. None of this half-hearted effort. And some of you think, well, I'm in church on Sunday. Oh, whoopee! Good job. What are you doing all week long? Are you pursuing God? Are you praying and reading your scripture and fellowshipping with believers and growing in your relation? You don't have a chance unless you are pursuing God, you don't have a chance. And some of you have been acting like, oh, I don't know what happened. Well, you got to start seeking the Lord every single day. Seek him out. Uh, The Lord tells us in Luke 10, you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. We need to consistently focus on him. And if there was another point I would add, a main point, that would be it. Consistently focus. Look at Colossians 3 1 through 2. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, so he's talking to believers, those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Keep seeking the things above, consistently focus. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, consistently focus, not on the things that are on the earth. And so it's continuous action. Keep doing it. I like how J.B. Lightfoot put it. You must not only seek heaven, you must think heaven. And continue to do so. To be preoccupied with heavenly, heavenly reality, not earthly carnality. The priorities of heaven, the values of heaven. We need the needle of our lives forever pointing heavenward. Like a compass point, always pointing north. So the needle of our lives must forever point heavenward that's where they need to point seek the Lord verse 9 10 and 11 you got to treasure the word treasure the word keeping it according to your word do not let me wander from your commandments your word I've treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you so so keep it full on obedience right there God's word becomes the map for our minds travel it's every verse Walk its ways, its wisdom, lest we be lost in this maze of depraved thoughts. You have the map, God's word. Follow it. Don't wander, he says, from your commandments. That's not what he wants. Don't go off trail. Don't get lost in this maze of your mind. And he says, hold it close. Treasure the word of God. Fall in love with your Bible. Fall in love with scripture. Dig into it. Read it. Treasure it. A bunch of verses out of Psalm 119, precious psalm, all dealing with the word of God. Verse 47, I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. Verse 48, I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love. 97, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Verse 127, therefore, I love your commandments above gold. Yes, above fine gold. Verse 140, your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant loves it. Psalm 159, consider how I love your precepts. So so treasure the word of God. Read it, study it, learn it, memorize it. And treasure is more than just hold it as an heirloom of life, but have it be oxygen for life. It's how you breathe in this world. How do you protect your heads and hearts? You diligently guard and you quickly capture and you positively fill and you purposely treasure and confidently remember Again, too many of us Christians, myself at times included, have spiritual amnesia. We forget. We forget who we are in Jesus Christ. And we forget our new standing before God as his children. And we forget that we are changed people and that he has set us free from sin. We can live a victorious life. And we need to remember who we are in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 3, remember you've died. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is who our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. What am I dead to? You're dead to immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. You don't have to go there anymore. You have been set free from sin. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. You're not under God's wrath anymore. At one time we were. And in them you also once walked, past tense, when you were living in them, past tense. So we have this new identity and this new nature and this new future. And he's saying, that's where I want you to live. Now some of you here this morning, you don't have that new identity, that new nature or that new future. You've not come to faith in Jesus Christ yet. And you need to understand God's saving power is available for you. He will forgive you of all your sin. He will cleanse you of your guilt and your shame. You may say, Scott, that's what I want. I want God in my life. At the end of the service today, I'll lead you in a prayer of salvation. And you can call out to God and ask him to save you. And he will call out to him and let him save you. Verse five of this passage, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. He says, consider it. I want you to know this, he says, and live accordingly. Sin is no longer your master, is what he's saying. We see a similar thing in Romans chapter six, verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. You're not under law, but under grace. Now, I want to point something out. Sin is a deposed monarch who once ruled our lives with an iron fist. He's been deposed. Sin has. But he's forever trying to gain back ground. Don't let sin gain ground. In your head or in your heart or in your life, sin has been deposed if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yield to the Spirit of God. Yield to him. Three things he says we're dead to in relation to our series. He says you're dead to immorality. Immorality. You don't have to act out in sexual sin, any form of illicit sex. He says you're dead to impurity. You don't have to partake in that filthiness, those lust-filled thoughts and things and intentions. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go there. Uh, Passion, acting out sexually on those thoughts. You've been set free from that. He says you need to remember this. Don't act like a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. It's in your past, verse 7. In them you once walked while living in them. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Say this verse with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So as we diligently guard and quickly capture and positively fill and purposely treasure and confidently remember We mentally transform. That's what takes place. We are transforming from the inside out. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So he says, I want you to act a holy life. Offer up your life as a sacrifice to God for holiness sake. Now, I want you to understand something else. You can't act right unless you think right because our actions come from our thoughts. That's why he says in verse two of Romans chapter 12, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So he says, I don't want any conformity to this world in which you live. I don't want you acting like this world. I don't want you speaking like this world. And I don't want you thinking like this world. This world is forever going to try to force us into its mold and conform us into its image. Don't go there. You're a child of heaven. Stop acting like a citizen of this world. No more games, God says. No more masquerading as someone in this world. And some of you do that. Some of you go to work and you put on the mask of the world. Nobody knows you're a Christian. Some of you will go to school tomorrow and you put on the mask of the world. And you act just like everybody else at school and talk just like everybody else at school. Some of you put on the mask of the world when you go home from church today in your neighborhood. Your neighbors don't even know you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You know what God is saying? Would you take the mask off? I'm tired of you wearing a mask. You're my child. Would you start talking like a Christian and not like the world? Would you start living like a Christian and get rid of those unholy habits? Would you start speaking like a Christian, please? God is saying, why are you being conformed to this world? You're not a child of the world. Take the mask off. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed is the word where we get the word metamorphosis. You know, it's that ugly caterpillar that turns into the beautiful butterfly. It's the outward change based on an inward reality. That's what God wants in your life and my life. He says, I want an outward change based on an inward reality. So, so renewed mind is a mind controlled by the spirit of God and a mind saturated with the word of God and a mind focused on the person of God. A renewed mind is able to discern the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do we protect our heads and our hearts? Say them with me. Diligently guard, quickly capture positively fill purposefully treasure confidently remember and mentally transform let's pray together father in heaven help us to win the battle in our heads and in our hearts help us to be so careful of how we think and what we think of heads are bowed and eyes are closed Just take a moment right now and talk to the Lord. You who are believers in the Lord already, ask God to help you use that Philippians 4 filter. Maybe for some here there is sin to confess. Been acting too much like the world, talking too much like the world, thinking too much like the world. Talk to God about that. Maybe you need to make a very strong commitment to be in the Word of God. To Start reading it. Memorizing verses. Learning God's Word. It'll make a huge difference. Talk to God about that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here this morning and honestly you've not come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior yet. You need to know how much he loves you and how much he can help you. He will forgive you of all your sin. He'll save you from all your sin. And you may say, Scott, that's me. I I desperately want God in my life and I don't know where to start. It starts with calling out to him in faith. And that's what I'd like to invite you to do right now. You can just call out to the Lord in faith. Just use words like these in the quietness of your heart to God. Lord Jesus, I need you. I desperately need forgiveness of all my sin. I'm sorry for all the wrong that I've done. And I ask you to please forgive me. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me that much. I place my faith in you, Lord, to save me. I place my faith in you. I can't save myself. Please forgive me and save me, I pray.